Fuck you! No matter how hard you try, you'll never be the hero, and you'll never, ever get the girl. Hey! Shit! Sorry. Hey, man. Wrong guy, dead boy. Oh, yeah? Well, let's redirect the moment, mister. I'm so original. Huh? Where's your innovation, huh? Why copycat two high school loser-ass dickheads? Stu was a pussy-ass wet rag. And Billy Loomis, Billy Loomis, what the fuck? Jesus. What a rat-looking, homo-repressed mama's boy. Why not set your goals higher, huh? You want to be one of the big boys? Huh? Manson? Bundy? OJ? Son of Everybody, we're back. We're gonna talk about a white movie where a bunch of white people get <laughs> fucked up and scream like white people with whiteness. This is the Skeleton Crew. We are back with Scream number two. This part of the retrospective. Uh, we want to thank everybody. Uh, a lot of feedback and a lot of nice things about that first uh, Scream review for the retrospective. Um, Jared said. Jared. He said that he. Listen, loved it, and immediately, I think, played it again. And you want to know what's weird about that? Uh, many things. Yeah, besides that itself? Yes. No, I was kidding, Jared. No, but uh, the reason that's weird is because Matt Wazell did the same... Matt Wazell? Did the same thing to our Psycho show when we did the Psycho retrospective. He played it immediately. I think he played the third one right away after hearing it so it's weird that our favorite movies and stuff like that come across uh better to people and it's it's worth listening to again or does this show attract psychos (laughs) (laughs) the show doesn't create psychos this the show makes psychos more creative (laughs) oh son yeah take it absolutely so uh yeah so we're gonna do scream 2 before we do that uh you know Sometimes with retrospectives, you kind of lose lose sight and lose grasp of uh, the show as a whole itself. So, uh, uh, real quick, you guys uh, have anything cool to say? Like, did you get any new horror movies or watch any horror movies over the last few days that are worth telling people about? I have nothing cool to say. Nothing? Ooh, I watched... 
this really cool movie. It actually, I think, came out in 2009 called Triangle with... Um, Is it about a vagina? With No. There are vaginas in it, but <laughs> not in the sex not in the sex way though. Uh, but with Melissa George, it was made by Christopher Smith, the guy who made Severance, and it's really good. It's um, it's just sort of like if you like things where time is loopy and weird, then definitely check this out. Okay, it's okay. just a really really well made film, and it's pretty creepy. Some great performances. I highly recommend it. Uh, today, I got to see an interesting movie. Jason Lloyd bashed it, man. He said that he did a review. I, I didn't hear it yet because he sent me the link when I was at work and I was kind of uh, watching the movie at work. So, uh, you know, I'm, you know I, I, have, I have a Harley and stuff like that. I'm re- really getting ready to start riding again because, you know, you can't ride in the winter. It's just it's too cold. About bad time. Nah, man. I mean, you might think you could. Like, you could, oh, just wear, you know, heavy coat and two pairs of pants and shit like that. But, dude. Your fingertips, you really feel like you could imagine that they're already black, you know, from frostbite. Uh, it's just, it's. A... I took out my trash this morning, dude, and that was like two <laughs> exactly. minutes. Exactly. And I was fucking dead. So I was like, "Are you kidding <laughs> so me?" So imagine fifty miles an hour, that cold wind blaring at you, like. Yeah, you no. can't ride. So, you know, I like to watch some biker movies and stuff. There's a lot of them actually on Netflix. A lot of like total B movies from like the 70s and stuff that I've been like uh, going through. But so I watched a horror movie today and it was called um, Biker Zombies from Detroit. <laughs> oh, no. It, oh, my God. That movie sucks. <laughs> You've seen that? Yes, I reviewed that a long time ago. But it is so bad. Really? I thought it was all right. <laughs> What? Am I just way too into the bikes or something? <laughs> Dude, Let's I don't put it know. this way. Me and Jamie gave strippers versus werewolves uh, uh, two thumbs up. So. Oh, okay. Oh, because it has <laughs> – okay, there you go. So she'll she'll bump up anything with a wolf in it. Oh, well, that's not true. It is not anything. Um, Jamie, you like the howling. Come on. <laughs> well, the howling is awesome. <laughs> Come on. You're crazy. I gave that shit to Ryan uh, Murphy. I seconds. know. And you, you're crazy. You're Is so that crazy. Is that mom in it? <laughs> yeah, in I the think, second yeah. aisle. Oh, somebody said why they uh, asked for the howling. Did you guys read that? What do you no, mean? I did not read that, but that was my question. Um, I remember okay. that when I said, why would you ask for the howling when you have a, oh, right, a right, slasher right, right. tearing through your town? Okay, um, so what was the answer? The answer... From Mark. Somebody gave us an answer. Mark Harrison. Yo, yo. Thank you, Mark Harrison. Go ahead. Um, he wrote, The girl wanted to watch The Howling, E.T.'s mum, because Drew Barrymore was in the film, and they had they had to make another reference to her. That's, a, that's kind of a stretch, though. I mean, Drew Barrymore is, was in E.T., but what does that have to do with The Howling? I mean, I know that... that D. Wallace was in both. That's like a six degrees hmm. of Kevin Bacon kind of thing going on there. But I mean, I see what he's saying, and perhaps it's true. Just so I, I you know, give her a reason to say the one with E.T.'s mom in it. But well, see, to seems me, kind of a stretch to me. Yeah, because, to me, I mean, it, Drew Barrymore has been in other horror films. You know, of her, like she could have said Firestarter if she uh, wanted to. Fucking you know? instigator. Oh, or Poison sorry. Ivy, you know, or something, but. So I don't know. That seems like a stretch, but I guess I can. I she guess, was in I Batman guess. and Robin. 
I guess <laughs> that was a horror that was movie. Film. I guess I can believe that that's what they were going for. Um, I still say it's kind of a stretch, but you know. Okay, well, thanks for that, Mark. Yeah. Well. Um, oh yeah. So I don't know how we jumped there, but yeah, that that biker thing, the the biker movie I was talking about. Right. It's actually on YouTube. So if anybody wants to check that out, just for the hell of it. I mean, Jamie is is technically right, and Jason's right. It's you know, it's crap, but I mean, it it's it's low budget, and you know what? It keeps moving at a really good pace. I never got bored, and it it's it's sort of odd because the zombie bikers. They show up only once in a while, but they are not the focus of the movie at all. It's really strange. And even in the end, the big finale, you don't even see them doing anything. Like, literally, they all come up. At the end, everyone goes, oh, shit, because all the motorcycles, the Harleys are all around, and you know they're all on them. And then all of a sudden, it just cuts to a news reporter, like, going, it's it's chaos here. We don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, a zombie kills her, and then it's over. Mm -hmm. It's like the weirdest kind of thing, but it's in – I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> this, I know this is what everybody wanted to hear on our Scream show. All right, so we'll be right back after this. After these messages, we'll be right, right back. back. Two Windsor College students were murdered last night during a sneak preview of the new movie Stab. starting again, Randy. This has nothing to do with us. Randy, a guy in a ghost mask hacked up two people in the movie theater telling our life story. Hi, Gail Weathers, author of The Woodsboro Murders. Do you think the killer will strike again? We have no evidence that this is a serial killer. It's a classic case of life imitating art, imitating life. Are you suggesting that someone's trying to make a real-life sequel? Do you think someone's trying to duplicate Woodsboro? It looks like it. I think you have a copycat on your hands, Chief. Hello? Hello, Sydney. Remember me? What do you want? I want you. It's showtime. Everywhere. If there is some freaked out psycho trying to follow in Billy Loomis's footsteps, you probably already know. The way I see it, someone's out to make a secret. So it's our job to observe the rules of the secret. Number one, the body count is always bigger. Two, death scenes are always much more elaborate. You just want to sit here and wait and see who drops next? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? All right, Scream 2, 1997. It's been two years since the tragic events at Woodsboro. Sidney Prescott and Randy... Only seven minutes since the last movie was released. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right? It was only a year's time, I think, right? Yeah, it's weird that they say two years, but it was one year. Uh, Sidney Prescott and Randy Meeks are trying to get on with their lives and are currently both students at Windsor College. Cotton Weary is out of prison and is trying to cash in on his unfortunate incarnation. Cotton fucking Weary. Oh, sorry. In <laughs> incarceration. <laughs> incarceration. <laughs> Gail Weathers has written a ball, a bestseller, The Woodsboro Murders, which has been turned. I thought she already did that in the first movie. Am I missing something? I don't know. Which has been turned <laughs> into the film Stab. Right. Star- starring Tori Spelling as Sydney. As the film play as the film's play date approaches, the cycle of deaths begin anew. Dewey Riley immediately flies out of Woodsboro. Wait, this is so far away that they flew here? I didn't even, I had no idea that this wasn't 
as close. Well, the girl in the movie, in the in the beginning of the film, in the line behind Jada Pinkett says, "No, this really happened. Those kills, those kids got killed a couple in years California. ago in California. They never actually say where Windsor is located, but we know that it's not in California, and it requires a flight to get there." Yeah, I remember they said it was filming in Canada at one point, so I just yeah, Windsor, it was Canada. Canada. Right? <laughs> Exactly. The, um, Isn't that where it is? And the subtitles that I know, I, this, I noticed the subtitles were Canadian. I just want to. That has yeah, nothing right. to do there with where go. the movie takes place. It's just, it's just something I noticed. Yep. Dewey flies out of Woodsboro to try to protect Sydney, his surrogate daughter. But in the sequel to the 1996 horror film, the number of suspects only goes down as the body count slowly goes up. So uh, in this movie. We got man woman Jada Smith. <laughs> I mean, she looks like a dude in this movie. I don't know, man. She's the uh, the chick in the opener with Omar Epps, and it's funny. Omar Epps, I know, I know him from Major League Two or something. He replaced Woody Harrelson, uh, Woody Snipes or something. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> he was in ER for a long time. Oh, ER. Yeah, yeah. he was on House. Jada Pinkett's character is a like flat out cunt oh, in the beginning man. of this movie. I mean, she is just a bitch. She's like. I got my money. I asked for your money. Your money. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Fuck you. <laughs> so, can you believe, remember we made fun of, uh, like, uh, the, the order of the people in the, in the IMDB thing? Right. You know who's the third guy they listed? <laughs> the usher giving out costumes. There you go. <laughs> like, clearly, this is order of appearance. Which so, was, I believe, a Scream contest winner, I might add. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, okay, uh, see there's so much to say about the theater scene already, let me just blast through these names. Heather Graham plays, um, I think, Drew Barrymore's role in the Stab movie. Yeah, the uh, theater, uh, Sidney Prescott and Nev Campbell is back, and this is one of the rare movies, yes it has happened before, but it's still rare that the uh, lead heroine comes back for a sequel. Else, Ellis, Elise, Elise Neal is Hallie. Uh, her black friend, Leave Schreiber, is cotton weary. Hey, I got a question, Jamie. Leave Schreiber. At that point, was he a, a known actor? Yes, he was. Um, he was. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what he's is- been in a lot of stuff before this. A lot. Of, he did a lot of independent stuff too. But um, at this point, I think somewhere between, well, somewhere around this time, he was starting to pick up work. But he had. Um, a great cameo, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Cece. Uh, Joshua Jackson is uh, some guy in the class, Dan Light. House 2, the second story. And yeah, I'm really glad. The The only thing I'm happy about with that reference is that people think of House, because that's a great movie. Uh, House 2 is unwatchable. I never in my life have made it past 25 minutes. <laughs> really? Dude, House is in my top five horror movies, because... Pure nostalgia. I don't care about technical stuff. Right. I love House. Right. And um, the House 2, I cannot make it past 25 minutes. Um, well, the the only the only reason Joshua Jackson was in this was because of Dawson's Creek, obviously. Like, he was fucking huge at that time. So oh, yeah. they threw him in yeah, the mix. It's, and, it's unfortunate, yeah. though, that he was only in it for about a minute. Like right. you didn't, I was hoping to get to see him get killed or something later on, but they just something. sort of dropped him out of the movie. Right. He had to go yep. film. He had to go film Urban Legend. Yeah, with Rebecca <laughs> Gayhart, who's also in this movie. Yeah, Rebecca Gayhart, who was also Dylan's wife in season six of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Oh, yeah, shit, son, another Dawson Creek slash Nine Hundred Two One One reference in your face. 
She she was Dylan's wife. Yeah, she got shot. That was crazy, dude. <laughs> Uh, they, they just pulled out all the stops. I mean, this was one of those movies, and it gets worse, obviously, in Scream 3, and I'm not even going to say the fucking cameo that destroyed that movie. Oh, but... God. Snoochie boochies. Uh, dude, th- th- this had Jerry O'Connell. Here's the weird thing. Um, I wrote about um, Jerry O'Connell. You know, I mean, Scream 2, like on a couple uh, uh, social media places, and a lot of people don't like that he's in this movie like they really think that this that he brought it down i didn't know that he was disliked i didn't either i'm a big fan of jerry o'connell i liked sliders the show that he was in i liked him in even as a little fat kid in stand by me you know way 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 years before this i'm a big jerry o'connell fan oh i thought he was great in um prana that you know the tom cruise movie with the with the with the the quan Show me the Quan. The, <laughs> the football movie. Show me the Quan. He was Push. He played Push, the, the football player that everybody wanted. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Show me the money. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Thank you, yeah. He was good in that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, dude, no, he didn't bring this fucking movie down. Fuck those people that say that. Debbie. Lori Metcalf is Debbie Salt. She's in Roseanne. She's Roseanne's sister, and um, she was also in something else. Oh, she's in Artie Lang's uh, <laughs> Beer League. She plays Artie's mom. Yeah, you down this. Who's you down? Nobody just bought me. Ah, I'll do that. I, I just went to a screening when I met Artie. Like, when we have Artie's thing, and he's like, hey, there's Artie Lang. You're listening to the Skeleton Crew. I met him at his screening of Beer League. It was, it was great, man. Really? Yeah. How's he looking? He looks just like he did, like, three, four years ago. No, I'm saying, did he look all doped up? <laughs> oh, no, he's been clean for, like, uh, nine months or something. Okay, cool. Nice. Portia de, Ro- de Rossi. Uh, some people might know her from um, Allie McBeal. She was in that. And she's she's banging, or not banging, they, she, I guess she's rubbing clits with uh, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> I heard they split up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, well. I think that is very accurate, though. Yeah, David Arquette came back to play. Uh, came whipping her back. Yeah, um, his father and, is here as the sheriff. Oh, that's right. Yep, Louis Arquette. Mm-hmm. Tori Spelling is in here from Nine Two and She's um, herself, I guess. Thanks, Tatum. My luck. They cast Tori Spelling. I, I like that she has a sense of humor enough to go along with to the go joke. along with it. Well, oh, she, please what else do. is she doing? Exactly. Tori Spelling at that. Oh no, no. Let's be fair. It was pre, this was pre reality show. But nine hundred two and zero was booming right now. Yeah, but she was always like the. I mean, I never liked her character in nine hundred two and zero. I, I could always do without Donna. Yeah, she was it always was, the yeah, one. Like she was never like really show. the hot one. Like they tried to make her the hot one, but she just came off as a fish face. Um, uh, <laughs> they couldn't help it. So you know, it's not like she was in super high demand. Well, she did this in the Killing a Cheerleader movie. Um, <laughs> mother, or no, Mother, the, may I sleep with danger? Sleep with danger. Oh my God, you <laughs> saw that? Everybody fucking saw that, man. That's like really. The most, 
That's like the most like famous cultish lifetime movie ever. What, Jamie? What? When I was when I was in denial two and oh, me and because I got my mom into it, which makes it even a worse sounding thing of my life that me and my mom watched it together. But it, that's just how it went down. Like you know, as a kid, my parents didn't like anything I was into, so I figured my mom would like something like that. So I was like, here, just watch. It's like those shows you used to like, like fucking Dynasty and shit. But it's it's the it's the, the new stuff, and you know, she fucking eventually Dynasty got, and shit. <laughs> like, you know, like uh, what's that? All of our it's lives. Fucking or Knots Landing. Days of our lives. Soap opera is what. Yeah, you're soap opera. <laughs> As the world turns. Yeah, exactly. So I try to hook her in with that, and it worked. Uh, so we watched. I just record because I saw that she was going to be on a fucking TV movie. I said, "Fuck, let's watch it." And we watched it, and I actually was into it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Never seen it. Yeah. So she did that. Yeah. Um, and here's a really cool little cameo. It's uncredited and not a cameo. It's actually an audio. Uh, Selma Blair was the voice on the phone when Cece was talking. And she's like, oh, it's my boyfriend, blah, blah. And that's cool because do you know why? You know what the connection is there? That's fucking Selma Blair, yo. Yeah. What the fuck? I'm going to have to watch that again. I've seen it a million times. I'm going to have to watch it again. Do you know why it's uh, connected? I, I don't know. She was in Cruel Intentions with, with yeah. Sarah Michelle Geller. And that was around the same time. Um, Wes Craven Ooh. is a doctor. And, what, you, what, you said something? Oh, no. I'm just excited. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Luke Wilson That's played Stu. Luke Wilson played Stu in Stab, which I loved. That was oh, one of my favorite yeah, things. Cool. He was so funny. This hair flip, yeah. Uh, Wes Craven plays a doctor uncredited. Matthew Lillard comes back as a guy at party. We gotta find. We gotta find him. I've seen I'm him. Sh- He's got fucking blonde hair in it, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah, and glasses. Yeah. Did you say Olfan? Did I say who? Timothy Olfan. Should I have? Uh, he's the killer. Yeah, you should say Timothy Olfan. Oh my uh, god. Oh, you mean the the poor man's uh, Mark Paul Gossler? Oh, no, Timothy Oliphant is badass, you and he's did. in Justified now. He's but so before good. that, he was in um, Gone in sixty Seconds. The crazies, the the cop, which oh, and Go, which is one of my favorite performances of his. Yo, as the dealer, I yes. love Go. You like Go? I love I Go. Think- good Go. Okay, good. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, well, how about this? How come he had a successful career after Scream fucking 2, but Skeet Ulrich couldn't get nothing going off of Scream 1? How does that work? Because look at him and look at Skeet. I think Randy <laughs> summed it up best when he called him a rat-looking – what do you say? A rat-looking motherfucker. motherfucker or a rat-looking mama's boy. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, the opening they, they they do the same type of opening here as Scream One. They have a whole opener. Uh, this one is a movie theater setting. Um, so what happened is that you know they try to make a movie off of you know this you know that's what Scream is all about. It's all about you know world within a world within a world all that kind of stuff and that's that's all it is so this is perfect that they would make a movie based off of their own movie which is supposed to be real which is further getting the idea out there that this is real life this isn't like the movies you've been watching all these years so right which doesn't is not consistent with the fact that there's so many fucking horror fans in one fucking room (laughs) in the beginning scene dude come on how many horror fans do you know fucking get that wild for a fucking screening that would be like every horror fan we all know collectively in the same room 
I wish they would they would that films would go to that much trouble with right? an opening as they did in Stab. I thought that was awesome. However, I'd be stabbing some motherfuckers if they didn't shut the hell up while I was trying to watch the movie <laughs> because I don't tolerate that bullshit. But it was it was still a fun atmosphere. Which leads me to which leads me to my question is who are all those assholes running around in the lobby during the movie? Like running around stabbing each other. Why aren't they watching the movie? Who are these people? <laughs> Who does this? Right. Maybe they went to the first screening. I don't know. Actually, that's what that's what Brian said too. He's like, well, maybe they're showing it in one, more than one theater, and, and it's just like the gap in between. I'm like, stop trying to work logic into it. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. That's what we do. <laughs> now, you want logic? You want to talk about logic? How the fuck does that theater look like it does? But these two assholes walk in there and they get the best fucking seats in the world. Oh, thank you. They get center row, about ten rows back. Nobody uh, takes their seats when they both get up. No, and co- yeah, right. It's like the most polite, uh, thoughtful theater in the world of of people. Like it's amazing how how that works. So yeah, Jada Smith is just mind-numbingly annoying. She's a bitter, cranky bitch. So how about the the movie theater handing out costumes for free? I mean, that shit's like $39 in Party City. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, yeah, here, the studio sent them. And now, Chloe Knives, too. Now, Jamie, you work at a, you work at a movie theater. Uh, you used to, correct? No, I used to have a friend who worked at a movie theater. I hung out there a lot. Okay. <laughs> <Does> that counts. <laughs> that counts. Now, do they do that a lot? Because I always thought, like, um, especially, like, uh, you know, with the big premieres anyways, they do shit like that. But I don't think, like, regular screenings. I, I don't know. A, I got a T-shirt when Jason X premiered. I got a poster when Carrie See, came out, when this yep. when the Carrie remake came out. Um, the most I would ever get is, like, a T-shirt or a poster. Nothing like this. Yeah, you know, they even had the outside at the marquee. They had, the like, the stabbing arm uh, outside on right. the marquee, which I thought was really badass. Um, and then the, the 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 ghost faces flying over the audience. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wish they would do shit like that. No, oh, they don't get into it, man. Nope. And how about Heather Graham? Did not look hot at all as uh, Casey, man. Like she is. Did you ever see her? She's hot, dude. Did you ever see her in um, Roller Boogie Girl, Nights. dude? Roller Boogie Girl. <laughs> oh, I didn't see those two movies. The same movie. She played Roller <laughs> Girl in Boogie Nights. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, Austin Powers, she was hot there, and she was hot in uh, the movie uh, Hangover. She was she was smoking hot, and she just looked bizarre, straight bizarre in this movie. I don't know. I think it was the hair. It was the hair. I was just going to say that. There you go. How did they get the same voice for Stab as what took place in real life? And, and that, that goes for a lot of things, like even the scene in the hallway. How did they get such accurate conversations down? Like, did Nev Camp, or well, let's say her Sydney... Did she give all these details out or something? And they just, it was public knowledge and they wrote about it? Like, I don't know. Well, it was slightly different, which I think is hilarious because in the in Scream, when she's like, Your mother's not lying in a coffin somewhere. And then Tori Spelling and Stab is like, Your mother's not buried in a cemetery somewhere. Yeah, so right. it was like right on top of it, but right. slightly different. And yeah, I always wonder that about movies anyway. Like, if you ever see like a, a biopic about anybody, it's like, how do you know that they had this conversation? <laughs> you know, and this, and I don't see Sydney as being the type who would be like, and this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Make sure you get it right. I mean, she doesn't want to talk to anybody about this yeah, shit. Yeah, really, right? 
I just don't buy it, man. And then you know, and here th- this is them. This is the movie where um, I remember I watched Scream Two, um, two thousand four. I'm gonna say I won it in a contest on on some message board. Nice, dude. I'd be so happy. So I watched it, and I hated this movie, man. And the reason why is because. I could not separate Scary Movie from this movie. Oh, yeah. It was damn near impossible. I think I saw Scary Movie about three times at that point. And then when I saw the bathroom scene, I saw the movie theater scene, it just seemed like a joke to me. Like I'm watching Shakespeare in Love, y'all. Shakespeare. (laughs) You're suffering from Tiffany syndrome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Tiffany said, what did she say? She can't, well, but she gets confused between Scream and, and Scary Movie because yeah. she's seen them both so many times that they kind of run together in mind. And that's applicable to two as well. Scary Movie covers one and two, yeah. So that movie theater scene always seems like a joke, and especially when he holds his ear up to the stall and <laughs> yeah. the knife goes straight through the stall, and he knew exactly where his fucking head was. As bullshit. cool as that, as cool as that moment is, it's total bullshit. One <laughs> that knife is not going through MDF. It's not happening. Not like no. that. Not in one fell stroke like that. And two, how in the fuck would he know exactly where his head was going to be? <laughs> There's no way. So every time I'm taken out by the how unrealistic it is, even though I should be focusing on the fact that poor Omar Epps just got his head impaled, right, I'm right. I'm going that couldn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, isn't he, like, the nicest guy in the world? He's so (laughs) nice, and he puts up with that bitch of a girlfriend. (laughs) Hey, man, she must give good head. That's all I'm saying. Well, she told him he had to loosen up his wrist. So uh, (laughs) I think she used sex as a weapon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) Obviously, her reactions, and basically anyone's reactions when they're watching a movie in a movie, they always seem forced and faked. Like, you know, like we talked about in the last one of Halloween, how they were all like way too into Halloween. And uh, this one, she's sitting there, you know, Jada Smith is sitting there, she's watching Stab, and she's going, no, 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 don't do that! Don't do that! So I said, well, let me look at what the fuck's happening. What, what shouldn't she do? And all Casey's doing is leaving out of the back door of the house and ducking down by the window. Which right. seems to me like the right thing to do at that point. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea, actually. I don't know why. What would you prefer she do? Well, Jada turns to the killer, too, when he comes and sits back down next to her. She's like, if that was me, I'd be out of there. Well, she's trying to be out of there. Don't you see what she's doing? She went out she's the back door. She's just about to get it. Want some popcorn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking dummy. I don't know. I've seen dumber moves than that. but Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think this is fucking badass, man. She gets killed in front of everybody in the theater when they're all, you know. It's great. Yeah, man. I do. I really like this opening. I, I have to say that um, I think it's pretty powerful. And, I mean, everyone – it, and it's totally believable that if if you were in a situation like this where everybody's all going crazy nuts in the theater and this were to happen – you know, when they first see her being stabbed, they're not going to pay attention to that because everybody's stabbing everybody and they're they're just fucking around, you know. But then when you can I love the scene where she gets up on the stage <laughs> and she starts like she starts sinking down and then you see people out in the audience like taking their masks off yeah. and they're just standing there staring in horror as the realization that this chick is actually getting killed in front of them sinks in. You know, to me that is a really great moment and um I, I just I love this whole opening. You know, as as many as much as we bitched about things here and there, it really is a very fun opener to this movie. 
Yeah. Like, I could picture Danny in the theater, and he's watching her do that. He's like, sit the fuck down. We don't, we're not here to watch you, bitch. Your ass is grass. I can't, every time I watch this, I wait for somebody to do that. And right. and I keep, I'm like, no, they don't do that. But I, it, but it seems so, like, that would be the natural response. You know, like, get down, get out in front, we can't see. I wouldn't believe her. I don't think it ever thought to outdo the first one, but I thought that it it thought that maybe okay we can try and be smart about it and and, and really um, play with the the audience here, and that's what they did in that that opening scene in two, and that's why I think that that scene succeeds. It's because of the whole <coughs> in action, you know. They can't. I mean the the cat's already out of the bag right. as far as. You know, the famous people that you see in the beginning of the movie aren't going to make it past the opening sequence because of the first one, because of Drew. So they already know that people are going to be expecting these people to die um, just if if they followed suit with the first one. So, I mean, you know, that that impact is never going to be what it was the first time. But I do agree. I think that they did it well. No, yeah, it was probably the next best thing. You know, I don't know. Do you guys think Scream was Scream Two was bigger? Be I, I don't know if it made more money, but I know by the time Scream Two came around, everybody had heard of Scream, and and there were it seemed like Scream Two had more attention than the first one because of the first one, yes. But it seems like a lot of people were late to the party. I think saw opening it on video. weekend. I think opening weekend Scream Two pulled in like twenty three million dollars, okay. which honestly was surprising to me. I thought it would have been larger. Um, yeah. But yeah. I thought it was, I don't know, for some reason, I, I remember my th- theater going experience, nothing like the one in the movie, but I remember there was a, it was fucking packed and I went like a few times too and it was fucking really packed every time and people were fucking digging it, loving it. So I don't know. I just, that's what I remember. So maybe I think of it that way. I don't know if that's true. I just, I, I just want to say it was bigger at the time because it was a year later um, well, I think Scream came out in the summer, and this was, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think it was the next summer this came out probably, right? Yeah, well, I think I, that's about right. Yeah. Oh, I just remembered I got a button when Return of the Living Dead came out. or Return of the Living Dead 2 <laughs> came out, I got a button that said more brains. Sorry. There you go. <laughs> so it's not that out the wall. Opening weekend. <laughs> Opening weekend, Scream made six million three hundred thousand. It lifetime is a hundred and three million. Scream two, opening weekend for this one was thirty two million nine hundred thousand. Ooh, I was oh, shit! I said twenty three. I guess I switched my numbers, but it, no, hey, that's, that's so pretty good. respectable. It's right, it's damn straight respectable. That's for sure. And t- lifetime is almost the same, a hundred and one million. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scream Three made thirty-four million opening weekend. Oh. All those disappointed people, right? Lifetime, but look at the difference. Lifetime eighty-nine million. Exactly. So they're not going to buy anything after that. Exactly. Uh, which is still a lot, oddly enough. Oh, it gets worse though. Opening weekend for Scream Four eighteen million, hmm. <laughs> and Lifetime is thirty-eight million. But in all fairness, it's only been around for. Uh, t- Three years. And True. in all fairness, it sucks. Oh, take it back, Jamie. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> I will doo, not doo, take, it, take back. it back. You're gonna on our take it back episode. You're gonna mention that one. <laughs> Bullshit. Better take that shit back. Yeah. So, so uh, now, Jamie, you were really uh, a supporter of that ridiculous 
scene where Wes Craven was dressed up as Freddy Krueger as a janitor. Ridiculous. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. Now, Sydney was in her room. There it's was a sweater on the door. Yes. Yes. That is what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and even then, it's very subtle because it's not green; it's blue. The it's it's red and blue, not red and green. It is very subtle. It kind of leaves you wondering: is that on purpose? It 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 obviously is because it's very it's prominent. It's hanging there where everyone can see it, and no one touches it or puts it on, so it's just hanging there. So you know it's on purpose, but it is subtle. So yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying there. Um, yeah, that's better to me. I don't know. <laughs> like it, the other one is just whoa. You know, like this, that's just way too much. Mm -hmm. uh, so the fucking media is just waiting on this poor girl on her fucking dorm fr fucking front steps. Like they they're back again. You said in the first one, I believe how the media right. is just fucking right there, like in, in a whole fucking in a whole swarm. Well, because someone died the day the night before at her at stab. I know why. I just think it's ridiculous, dude. Like they're sitting there fucking waiting for the girl outside of her dorm. Like as soon as she gets out, they're just like, Cindy, ah. <laughs> and it's not Winter Boy this time. It's fucking it's it's crazy Roseanne's sister. Yeah, yeah, right. Salt. So uh, here's the thing with cotton. Now, you know, there's a certain mystique that comes with not knowing anything about somebody. Like when it was really kind of cool when uh, you know Cotton, the guy who's uh, you know he's sentenced to whatever for killing the mother of Sidney Prescott one year ago and they show him in the car and it's kind of mysterious and cool sometimes uh, knowing too much about somebody is not a good thing like I don't know if I wanted to know that Cotton's this like uptight little cocky fuck he's like don't walk away from me Gail Gail come back here I'm gonna get my latte and I'm gonna be very upset Gail like he's a fucking like like a, a yuppie a, like I don't know, man. Douchebag. Yeah, I kind of liked him more when I didn't know anything about him. I think learning about him took the mystique away. Like now, when I look at him in the beginning of, you know, in part one, I don't think he's that like cool. What about the end? Now, did that douchiness translate to like, oh, this guy's kind of psycho? Well, I thought he was just faking it. Okay, all right. See, I. But you, you know, the, there's always that. Oh shit! Is he gonna fucking? Oh yeah, you know what beginning. I mean. They they played that whole thing, but yeah, I I always thought that he would he would I I honestly thought that he would you know obviously be good, but I thought he would get killed. I didn't think he would make it to the beginning of three. <laughs> oh yeah, by three I'm done with the guy. Yeah, I'm done. I you know I kind of feel for for um for Cotton. I mean I know where I I, I don't know where he's coming from. I've never been wrongly incarcerated, um or would you say in. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been wrongly incarnated, but I incinerated. <laughs> but incarnated. I mean, I understand why. I mean, it, when something like that happens to you, that there's a stigma attached to that that will follow you wherever you go. Right. He feels like he is owed something because his life has been upset by this whole thing, and he wants his his you know few moments of fame. No one else wants to cash in on the fame like like Sydney doesn't want the fame. Right. Because she just wants to bury it. But he does because he feels like even though he has been exonerated in the eyes of the law, there are still people out there who don't completely know the story and who will who will hold that against him. Also, he wants to make a little bit of money off of it. And fuck, dude. I mean he was in prison I, for a year. Hey. I really can't blame him for that. Nope, not at all. Fuck it. Go for it, dude. For some weird reason, people are always going to think OJ still killed his wife. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why that would ever be. <laughs> if the glove don't Why would fit, anyone think that? Shit.
<laughs> yeah, why would they think that OJ killed his wife, even though this is the one crime that the whole world has their eye on and no one can be found as the killer, yet we'll find a random guy killing somebody. I don't know why we, we just can't find his killer. So I guess the the big first event in the movie is that Sarah Michelle Gellar gets uh, gets off, and it's a great scene. But God, why would you want to rid the planet of of such perfect specimens like that? I just don't understand. I do oh, think dude. she's cute as hell. I really like Sarah Michelle Gellar. And, and that was at the peak of Buffy, dude. Uh, she was huge. That was almost, in a way, like their uh, Drew Barrymore scene, like in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Like, let's take a big actress and, you know. Obviously, everybody knew she was going to die, though. So, like you said before, the cat's already out of the bag. But, fuck, man, I, I've said this before. You take that fucking scene in itself, dude, and it's fucking scary. I'm sorry, man. I mean, Ghostface's reveal when he when he has her pick up the phone, that's a smart fucking reveal, dude. Have her pick up the phone so you know she's going to be in that spot. To me, shit like that makes sense. Like, okay, he lured her up there so she could pick up the phone up there. You know what I mean? And, and then, boom, he comes out of the fucking, or she, whoever the fuck it is. Well, the prim yeah, yeah, that's another thing. We got to figure out who the hell, when was it... Billy's mom. Like I don't I can't imagine Billy's mom being the killer ever. I don't know about you guys. She but. killed Randy. Well, I was trying to I was trying to think uh, during the Sarah Michelle Geller scene because I really like this scene in this movie. For one, I I like Sarah Michelle Geller, like I said. But I the first time I watched this, I was I remember thinking about this and I just brought this up on another show when I was talking about women in horror and we were talking about how Women have moved from becoming the victim, which they always were in earlier films, to now being the heroine, not right. just in surviving to the end, but kicking ass along the way. Right. And although she gets taken out in this scene, she gives that killer a run for its money. I mean, she's, you know, they walk away a little bit bruised after dealing with her. And I really like that. I, I love her character. I love that she is, is, she fights, that she's as strong as she is for as long as she was. And as I was watching this for this, I was thinking, who is killing her right now? Who is doing this? Could it be Debbie Salt? Because, I mean, I already knew. Obviously, the end at this point, so I knew who the killers were. But like, could she do that? Could she, is she strong enough to then like pick her up and throw her over a balcony? Yeah, and and she, but she did trip over the couch. So yeah, <laughs> maybe it was her. That's clearly a woman thing to do. <laughs> I know. I don't, that's well, why. Directly after that, um, Ghostface disappears, and you see uh, Mickey at the party. So I mean, but but it's right across the fucking street. Something across the street in Omega Beta Zeta. It's like right there. So it could have been him. I, I have a feeling. I thought the same thing about the party scene last night, Dan, when um, when we see when we then see Timothy Olfen at the party. Right. I was thinking what a clever uh, alibi, basically. It couldn't right. be him because he was at the party and he was he was making his rounds and he was talking to various people. So people yep. would say, yeah, we saw him at the party. So I thought it must have been him because of the proximity and the timing. It makes sense that it would have been him. Plus, I just don't see Debbie Salt being able, like I said, to just pick her up and toss her over a balcony like that. To right, me, it right. seemed something that she just wouldn't be likely or able to do. Of course, I don't know. She she worked out apparently because she lost sixty pounds. So maybe she was strong. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And this this is one thing that pisses me off about this movie. And this is one of the bones I wanted to pick was that they had the whole theory that oh, they were yeah. recreating the Woodsboro murders. So Cece's real name was Casey. Casey. Right. So Casey was supposed to be. But see that it that is such a stretch. 
It right. is such a stretch when you're watching, oh, Casey, like Casey Becker, and then Stephen Orth, her boyfriend, was so-and-so Stevens, and then Maureen Prescott is now Maureen Evans, and I'm just like, you know what? Bullshit. For one, that's really weak. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, they're stretching them to make them fit. Yeah, that's weird, you know? man. And two, they abandon that theory almost immediately. You never, ever, ever never. hear about it again. Once they talk about it and it's on the chalkboard in the in the police station, you never then hear them talk about that theory again. So I don't even know why they put that in the film. It would have been much stronger without it because it was completely unnecessary and it draws your eye away from what's going on for a com- for no reason at all. They do but that anyway, a lot. They so do- that's why they took her out is because her name was Casey. Yeah, apparently so. They did that in four too, where they said new decade, new rules. What the fuck were the new rules? There was nothing new about it. What the POV camera? Fuck out of here. Hmm. There's nothing. But anyways, we'll get to that later. But yeah, you're right though. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you know we didn't really talk about uh, the dude from Sliders being the boyfriend. So you know they go back and forth with that a lot. Uh, she's going through the whole dilemma: is my boyfriend the killer again? And one really cool thing is that Dewey said. Uh, she, you know, they talked about it, who the killer might be, and he goes, you know, Sid, it's probably somebody that's already in your life because they kind of get off on that. And right there, that's pretty. That's real. That's an awesome premise, man. Like one of my closest friends are probably doing this, and she has a couple new ones since the first movie. So you got the black chick, you got the boyfriend, you got the spiky haired dude who who is the killer. Mm-hmm. Um, you. <laughs> I love your description of these people. Yeah, right. um, the one I did I did actually hear last night. Brian told me this. I had not heard this before, but apparently the original script for this film had Jerry O'Connell and Hallie, her roommate, right. as the killers, but that script got leaked. Right. So that's how they ended up coming up with the whole Debbie Salt Timothy Oliphant thing. So That was a big deal, dude, when that shit leaked. And see, I didn't even I didn't even hear about that. But yeah. it makes total sense, I guess. And if the original script, like I don't know what it would have boiled down to, what the original script, what the reasoning was or what the connection was or how it was supposed to play out. But apparently he was supposed to be the killer originally. So like Randy's point would have been dead on mm-hmm. you know, if they had kept with the original script. What did you guys think of Randy in this movie? Because in the first one, I, I thought he was the man. I know a lot of people did, but he's pretty much the dork. I know he's technically, like, the guy who's clearly not going to get Sid in this one. But to me, he was just the fucking man. Like, I he, like him better in this, for, in this film than yeah. I do. Yeah. He's totally different, by the way. I really right. like him. I, I love the, the, par- the scene in the park when he's oh. on the phone. And he's talking to the killer on the phone, and they're like, you're never going to get the girl. And he's like, you know, fuck. Fuck you. <laughs> and I'm just – the only thing I don't like about him in this movie is that British accent that he oh, of his for no reason at all when he's talking to Sydney after leaving film class. I don't Ugh. get it, and I hate that. But other than that, I like him better in this movie than I did in the last one. That was Jamie Kennedy's improv too. It was just him doing it. On- it was horrible. I totally believe that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you seen his comedy, the Jamie Kennedy Experiment? Remember, we were supposed to get him for the show. Yeah, we were supposed to get him. I don't know what happened to that. I had questions and everything. I don't know what happened. Why did you do that annoying accent? <laughs> his acting is way better in this. Uh, I forgot which scene in particular. It could have been. No, not that one. There's one scene where his acting was leagues better than the first movie. Dewey was way over the top when they were sitting at the table talking about who the... Oh, yeah. 
Oh, all those faces he made with the, his oh, mouth. Yeah, with the eyebrows, yeah. Let's just talk about Dewey for one second. How about when the first attack happens and Dewey comes running out of nowhere, or I'm not sure actually which attack it was, and he comes running. Yeah. I think it was actually after after CC got killed and then the, the killer called Sydney. In the, so Sydney picks up the phone in the sorority house when she's about to leave. Why would you yeah. do that? Right. For, first of all, why are you going to pick up their telephone? You don't live right. there. There's when no there's reason for you to answer on. the phone. Right. But anyway, so after that attack, Dewey comes running out of nowhere from the backyard. Did you see him run? That gimpy oh run is hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, it's horrible. The pimp walk. He's doing the pimp Fuck walk. Fuck it, which I love too because they fucking use that in Scary Movie and the usual suspects <laughs> fucking ending. But um, yeah, like I, I actually I, I like that scene though because, dude, did you guys ever notice like um, that was like uh, maybe not because you hear Roger Jackson's voice in the in the first one when he's fighting with him and shit like that. But that's the first time, dude. I it fucking bugged me out when she's like, "Show yourself, you coward." He's just like, "What is?" I forget what he says, but he's just like, uh, "Boom!" Right there, and it's like, "Oh shit!" And it was on. Like to me, that chase scene worked like a motherfucker. But granted, why the fuck is she picking up the phone? I have no clue. You're right. I, I would have just kept going. It was almost like she knew. You know what I mean? Or they wanted us to believe or go along with the fact that she had a feeling it was him or something. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and it and it just doesn't make any sense because you, there's just no reason for it. It could be anyone calling, and you don't live there. There's no reason for you to answer the phone. Even considering what's been happening, if you think it's the killer, are you going to answer the phone? You know what I mean? After, right. after what you just – after what's been going on? Yeah, what would happen if nobody ever answered the phone? I guess the killer would just jump out of the closet. <laughs> I've been trying to call you for hours, bitch. Pick up your goddamn phone. Do you think it was to set up that line? Just that last line? With like, show yourself. And it's just like, my pleasure. <laughs> like, I don't know. Can you imagine he's calling and calling, and then all of a sudden he just gets annoyed. He's in the closet. He's like, I know you're home. Answer the goddamn phone. <laughs> Stop screening your calls. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, there's a whole setup to this murder of yours. You're ruining it. <laughs> now it's just a regular murder. It's boring. Yeah, can you can you believe he's chilling in the closet during the whole party in the fucking scream <laughs> costume? That's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, why not? He was in the bathroom the other movie. It, it, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's going through people's coat pockets. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, shit. Oxycontin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I don't know. A lot of these um, scenes, though, they they have you take a leap of faith with 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 what's going on, how long they're waiting, and shit like that. I think four actually addressed it very well, where they were very aware of that. I think they finally kind of got it right, and we'll talk about those scenes. But like in this, yeah, you gotta fucking take a little leap. But at least technically, it all makes sense. Like nobody was technically, you know, like fucking running through the house and and oh no, it's really them and. You do a saw rewind where it's like, oh, we fucking switched the mask real quick. Like, it's nothing that far, but it is kind of a stretch sometimes where it's like, motherfucker, you weren't in that closet the whole party. Come on. Hmm. I mean, but he was at he was at the party, though. So when did he slip in the closet? Nobody saw him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is full room, dude. I don't know. Speaking of no logic, 
who the hell puts a girl, you know, she's not even willing to talk about this stuff, you know, uh, Sydney. She doesn't talk about nothing. She has nothing, you know, nothing to do with reporters, no books, no uh, Diane Sawyer. Yet she'll go in a high school or a college play where a bunch of guys are fake stabbing her a year after <laughs> she was just chased by a guy wielding a knife. Like, I. Yeah, I do actually. That's something that I was talking about when I watched this too. And, and I like the scene where she kind of freaks out. You know, I do like that. But is it believable that she would be in a play where that took place and that David Warner or Gus would <laughs> then push her to do it knowing what she's been through? I don't think so. Right. You know, I don't think that would happen. But I didn't also, like any of that theater shit. I hated it all. <laughs> I've been racking my brain all these years trying to figure out what the fuck Cassandra has to do with anything. I mean, to me, I think it's clear that they're attempting to make a connection between the Greek story of Cassandra, who, if for people who are not familiar with her, she was doomed to always foresee horrible things happening, but no one would ever believe her when she tried to tell them. But I was I was trying to put a link between her and Sydney, but I just don't see one because – it, I don't really – there wasn't a lot of Sydney going, this is going to happen, and no one – and people going, no, it's not. You know what I mean? Because it was happening. Yeah, and it's not that she could tell. Everybody – I mean I guess what they're trying to say there is anyone who's around her is going to get hurt, but that's kind of how it always goes in a well, way. Well, there's that one line, fate's vengeful eye is fixed on you. On like, uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Like there's, there's a lot of uh, – I think that was them trying to do the Halloween one thing, you know, like fate is immovable like a mountain and never changes. Yeah, yeah. No, I got gotcha. you. I think Wes Craven probably connected the dots somehow, and I have no idea. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what those dots are, but I'm sure he justified it somehow. Or he just picked a random play to put in, but I don't know, you know. It's, this is the guy who made Cursed, so, you know. <laughs> Well, the, the the one the one thing, let's talk about the auditorium scene, one worth talking about. It's it's good and it's and there's some things that are like bizarre. Like I always, I, I'm just amazed by some of the setups here. The so Dewey and Gale are watching a tape. Uh, they figured, well, this the you know the reporter, the camera guy, filmed a bunch of stuff, so the killer must be in the crowd, right? Oh, of course, that yeah, sure, that that's the answer. That's what we were looking for the whole time. So is everybody else. How are you going to pick them out? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, it's not like they're going to be wearing a sign that says "I'm the killer." Here's where this just goes really weird. This is just movie shit and not real life. What, that he grabbed Courtney Cox's boob? No, that that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Unless he did it with the wrong, that gimpy hand, then it wouldn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> that would not make sense, correct. But he actually did do it with the proper hand. Nice. Uh, I checked. You know, I checked too. When we were watching, I was like, is that his wrong? No, that's the right hand. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I, I, I even had to like reverse myself so I can, oh no, yeah, right. Cause he, yeah. I think she looks the best in this movie too, especially oh, in those yeah. scenes. Oh my God, man. And in the next movie, she looks the worst. Yes. Nice streak scale. But uh, it's hey, it's better than nice bangs. Let's put it that way. Right, yeah, right. I was watching her last night and I was like, hmm, dark hair, red streaks, blue eyes. <laughs> That's me right now. A Marvel car oh, is you, right? Yeah. Except my hair is longer, but so uh, so they're you know they're bad. They're getting they're doing whatever in the auditorium. So 
the ghost face knew they would be there for some bizarre reason out of every VCR on the planet. He knew that they would go to the college and to that auditorium to play these tapes, which he knew that they would probably want to go through. <laughs> he goes there and he sets something up so that on the other TV, they, he would press a button from somewhere and play the tapes from the killer's point of view, videotaping all these murders. And then, not only that, he knew that they'd be there to the point where he would videotape them and run it through that TV at the same time. How in the world did this elaborate thing, like, wow. I'll tell you why. Because, uh, first of all, Jerry O'Connell says, fucking, uh, I had to switch with Mickey. He had editing. So clearly they're in film school or whatever. So I think this is a two-person job. Mickey, he knows all the tech stuff that's going on with that. Now, granted, I see exactly what you're saying, and I'm making no excuse. Like, how would they set it up in time and shit yeah, and how like would they that. even be there and all that? And how they know they were looking through the tapes? You're correct. You're absolutely correct. But at the same time, if you want to put logic to it, Mickey was doing all the editing and all that. Not editing, but you know what I'm talking about. Like, like we just said fucking well he knows how to run the line in okay i'll give him that much and then maury metcalf there whatever the fuck uh but dude honestly i know how to run the line in too so it doesn't mean i would have all this psychic ability to know that they'd be there and that this would all work out great well she kind of followed her but yeah also how is there a stab poster on the wall of this classroom when that movie just came out if you notice <clears throat> Excuse me. If you notice that there is in the back, there's a stab poster. And I, my eyes get drawn to it immediately, and I'm like, hmm. Someone on camp, someone from the campus of this school was murdered at the screening of that film this past weekend. That's kind of in poor taste, isn't it? Right. <laughs> this whole Windsor is in poor taste. Everything about these people. Uh, the whole thing about the Scream series, though, was in poor taste, and that's what that beginning scene plays on. And it's the whole fucking watching murders, and you get yeah, it's the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Who watches real life? Like, if if we if someone's gonna watch the Jeffrey Dahmer story, would you be doing backflips in a the theater watching him like fucking dissolve a guy's body in an oil drum? Yeah. Are you like, gonna be wearing Jeffrey Dahmer mask, running around, threatening to cut off people's heads in the yeah? Yeah. Good point. Good point. This is weird. You don't do that to real life uh, fucking things like that. Right. So Dewey survives another insane attack from another ghost face guy. I don't know how Dewey is alive. I don't either. Wait a minute. How is any of them still alive? Cotton makes the the statement at the end of the film when when, um, Gail comes popping out. From under the stage, he's like, "You got more lives than a cat." I'm thinking, "Fuck her." What about Dewey? Because he was being stabbed repeatedly, right? Blood smearing all down the window, a pump coming out of his mouth. How exactly? How did? And which means that there was some internal, really bad stuff going on there, right? So, (laughs) how did he survive that exactly? Well, cut. Well, yeah, and we kind of skipped ahead a little bit from Randy's death because. This is this is why that that scene I think was so fucking important too is because a few minutes ago like I don't know I, I want to say like fifteen minutes I don't even know but not too long ago we just fu- saw fucking Randy get killed and now Dewey's gone that's that's two out of the four main characters that are are as you think dead and I and honestly dude I really wish they brought back Randy but I'm glad they brought back Dewey I mean granted he didn't do anything in three that was spectacular but I, I actually think his character fits three more than anything because it's so fucking doofy you know and it's just so stupid 
Well, they brought Randy back for three. Oh, make him, oh well, you know, yeah. Make him believe it was a tape you're recording. Meanwhile, he looks five years older in the fucking tape. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. by the way, here's this sister that you never knew I had. And <laughs> Hi, guys. Oh, I miss you back at Woodsboro. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm done with my uh, cameo. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Kevin Maserano can even get a cameo. I mean, yeah. Do you guys think that Dewey's uh, Dewey's Randy's death worked? Because a lot of people yes. don't don't like that death. They don't like that he died. Well, I yeah, like, but like that's it. too fucking bad. You know what I mean? Get over it. It's one of my favorite characters, but get over it, dude. It was done in such a shocking way that yeah, you're not supposed to fucking like it, but you you got to deal with it, you know. And I think it was done in a great fucking way. That whole back and forth. I mean, yeah, but see, some people said the back and forth wasn't good enough. That he should have tried. He should have been wittier and outsmarting because you're only talking to fucking uh, Debbie Salt. So I mean, he wasn't wittier than her, or he didn't like drop some great hard knowledge on her. Or great, but it's like, dude, like I, I don't know. I, I didn't think anything of it. I thought it was all right. I thought it was good, man. I thought he was he he had a nice back and forth with them. I mean, you know, at the same time, don't forget now, if you were fucking in his position, dude, you'd be shook as a motherfucker. They want to say. You'd be witty, like he said, dude. You got a killer saying they're watching you right now. I'm sorry, dude. Like you can be as witty as a motherfucker and try and be calm while your friends go and look for him and, and try and find out, which they never would have done. You guys, how, how ridiculous was the? They just keep. I thought it was great. I thought it was really funny. And yeah, um, but nobody punches him out. <laughs> you hear that one guy? He's like, I'm okay, mom. This guy just jumped me out of nowhere. Yeah. Mom, I'm okay. <laughs> he's talking to his mom on his cell yeah. phone. And then Gail's live. She's just like, Who's this? This is Gail from the Woodsboro Mortar. It's like, you dumb cunt. Like, who? <laughs> yeah, I right. mean, well, if this is Canadian, then, you know, Canadians are really polite. They're not going to go jumping people over yeah. anything like that. Hey, uh, you want to talk to me for a minute, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I like that whole sequence. I like them I running around trying to find it, uh, trying to find him. I like the killer being so sure that they're not going to. He's like, they're not going to find me. I mean, that. Oh. You know, they're very cocky about the whole thing. I love Randy in that moment, and I love the fact that Randy gets killed when he does how he does. It's brutal. It's I mean, it's really sad. Like I remember the the first time watching it, I was just like, "What?" I mean, you just you didn't expect Randy to be taken out at that point. Fuck you. Of that line, <laughs> and I well, love that they did it. I like I love that they were willing to do that. And yeah. what about the fact, guys, that the killer says it, too? They're like, Randy, what are you even doing here? You'll never be the leading man. And, like, think about it, okay? Randy and Sydney were never, like, fucking tight, dude, to go to the same college. Like, don't you think it's a little weird that it's like, oh, we're back for the sequel, yet we go to the same college? Yeah, they're not even in Woodsboro. Yeah, exactly. And that happens sometimes in college where you go to the same school as your, your high school, uh, you know, classmates or whatever. But I just found it a little stretchy. And I actually liked it when I heard that line, where was like, what are you even doing here, Randy? Like, come on. And, and I like that. And then they took him out. Yeah, but and- you know what? Somebody will tell you that the logic there is that – he became just the same way Dewey, you know, she became his surrogate daughter or whatever, or sister. The same thing happened with these two. Like, they, they got this yeah. overprotection thing with her and they want to be close to her, you know? Yeah. That, that's what they'll say about that. I could yeah, totally I, believe Randy following her to that school because he wanted to yeah. be close to her. I, I get that. I mean, just the idea from the first yeah. film was that he had been pining for her for a while and he had this, this whole thing going on. And then after they go through that tragedy together, I believe that he's like, oh, you're going to Windsor? Hey, me too. How about right. that? Let me. I always had a thing for you, Sid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In your dreams. 
I thought that death was great, though, man. I thought it was fucking brutal. But, hey, in pure fucking daylight, dude, come on, man. That that was a yeah. great fucking scene. Yeah, but that was really the blood running down the fucking van. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that was I brutal. I think it was smart, though, for the killer to then leave the scream mask or the yeah. ghost face mask on the seat of the van, which is loaded with their DNA. Right, hair and... I mean, what are they going to do with it on one hand? They can't just go walking down the street wearing that costume after they commit right. this murder. They're going to get mad. Right. But at the same time, I just think it's idiotic to leave it behind. But right. Why not? They're in supermarkets and uh, everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? He's in the woods. Well, yeah, you're right. They should have had a little baggie they could put it in. Oh, that reminds me. What do you guys think about him popping up on stage there for a minute? I mean, what was that all about? He didn't mean to kill her. What was he just there to scare I thought that was a like her I don't I didn't think he was actually there. I thought that was her just being confused and scared and and Well, like, that wasn't real. No, you see him run off at the end. Oh, do you? Yeah, you see him run off stage at the end. Yeah. Well, see, that was incredibly stupid then because how did he expect right. that no one would notice that? Right. I just yeah. thought that, that I thought that was her mind the whole time. No, I Yeah, not. because wasn't she staring at the same guy who took his mask off before anybody else? No. Because she was scared, screaming at him, so he was like, what? It's not that scene. It's right before you see a dude dart off, dude. You can just see it's it's more like a head jerk, but it's just like, bloop. Yeah. Oh, man, I totally missed that. Huh. I'll have to watch it again. Yeah. Well, uh, so the next big scene and we're going to close here is that uh, the whole thing where – I forgot exactly. I, th- I guess it was after Dewey was almost killed. Um, they take Sid and the black girl and they go driving away. I don't know where they're going. They're going somewhere. And it, it's the two – you know, she has these two cops who are following, you know. And so they drive away. I guess it's a red light. Oh, dude, Ghostface fucks those cops up. <laughs> dude. Those cops are idiots, dude. The one cop, I forgot how, but he lands in front of the car, and he gets up and points a like he killed the other guy. Yeah. And I, I forgot what he did to make this guy get thrown to the front of the car, but obviously it wasn't uh, the safest thing in the world. He gets up, points a gun right at him, and just talks about shooting him. Right. Doesn't shoot. The guy starts the car, hits the gas, still doesn't shoot. Gets hit by the car, is on the windshield or uh, hood, still doesn't shoot him. And at that point, you could say, well, he, he was afraid he would hit Sydney or the other girl. But not the first time. You could have shot him then. Like, why not? Why not just shoot him? Well, who cares about any? Oh, let's take him into custody. He's killing people and you're not doing a great job and you don't have no leverage. Just and shoot then him. he gets a fucking pole through his head. <laughs> this is what makes no sense to me. They clearly show him holding the gun as he's dying, and the gun is still in his hand on the hood of the car. Yeah. Sydney then crawls over the killer to mm. get out of the car. Why That's does she not that. grab the gun and shoot the motherfucker? Right. <laughs> right. That to know. me is bel- – I mean the whole time I'm like, get the gun. Get the gun. And, of course, you can say, well, she didn't know the gun was there. Well, she knew he had one, you know, and and – it to me just makes sense to just oh like if she had just bothered to just turn her head a little bit and look at the hood there's a gun right there but that was intense man and it no, was that way was a more, really yeah. suspenseful scene i really yeah. like that extremely and but then right after that it's a, it's the biggest bullshit fucking statement ever fucking when he appears on the other side how did he get there seriously or she or wait uh and I, it was so obvious too what's that as soon as she said he's not there and she looked and saw her friend at a distance and you saw that big block thing so you can't see what's to her oh, right. Right, right, you knew. I mean, that was just like, 
You know, you know, like in in like movies where the the, the shot makes you can no tell. sense. You can yeah, tell. like like what's a good example? Like an obvious, like Friday Thirteenth when Trish is standing there and you see this big blankness to her right with just the windows. Yeah. You know that Rob Dyer's body is about to fly through those windows, man. Like, like there's nothing else that would have happened. Mm-hmm. Why would you frame it that way? So in this one, it was just so. Uh, it's not even obvious framing, but just obvious stuff around her that would make it like that. But for the um, killer to get out, I mean, you're right. right. How did he get there? Because for the killer to get out, he would yeah. have had to come out the driver's side door right. and come around the, that part of the outside of the car and then walk over to where the sidewalk was and walk behind the big block thing that right. was standing. Someone, one of them would have seen him because Fuck Hallie yeah. was facing that direction the whole time. The whole time, yeah. And she, he couldn't open that door. That's why never, uh, Sydney didn't go out of that way. Well, that's right. He would have had to come out the window, which would have made him even more obvious that he was getting out of the car. Right. Unless he did it while they were walking away, but he'd have to be super fucking fast to do that without – because she turned around almost immediately to go back. So I just don't see him having time to do all that. But didn't we actually bring up an instance kind of like that in the first one? Where there wouldn't have been time to gut the guy. To go, oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Steve or the Stephen Orth killing. So oh. yeah, we've got. They're like the Flash. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you can't say it was both of them because uh, Laurie Metcalf has a uh, 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 what's her name, Courtney Cox, later because she took her after fucking she killed Dewey and had her blocked in the room. Mm-hmm. So we're supposed to believe Laurie was doing that one. Uh, in, in chasing, uh, killing Dewey and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on. I don't know. I just don't believe the, that lady thing. I don't know. So uh, when Jerry O'Connell comes down and the guy, you know, so the big reveal is that uh, I forgot his name, but he's the killer. Um, did you guys believe that Jerry O'Connell was in on it for a minute? I didn't know. I thought it was a little too obvious. I, I never did. And and in the beginning, I was like, hmm. You know, it was like, oh, boyfriend. But then as it went on, no, I didn't. I thought that would have been way too – that would have been tipping their hand a little bit too much to make yeah. him the killer. One, it would have been tired because it was the boyfriend again, right. two, and, and which made it completely obvious. And two, I think he was just very clearly a red herring. And yeah. what did you guys think when Gail popped out? Like first, he sang like, to her. Yeah, right? <laughs> he obviously loved her. I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? <laughs> Like, yeah, thanks, buddy. Like, she really wants, you know, she has enough attention drawn to her with the goddamn stab movie and everything else going, the two cops following around. Like, she wants you to make her stick out like a sore thumb in front of a a room of 120 kids eating lunch. I like that scene, though. And then he gave her the fucking cross, and the, which leads to another fucking, you know, where, where we're pretty much at in the movie, where she's just like, you forgot something about Billy Loomis. I fucking killed him. What? Yeah, right? Oh, and she whips him. Yeah, she fucking slaps him with it. But, uh, yeah, dude, that, that this whole fucking end scene was off the fucking wall to me. Like, it, it kept changing to where, like, after Gail came out and then it wasn't Gail and boom, 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 I was ready for anything. And then Cotton comes out. It was basically chaos. So I, I, I stopped yeah. thinking, dude. I turned my brain off and I was just along for the ride. I was just basically like, oh, shit, what the fuck is going on here? And I've said this before, too, when Mickey was unmasked there, when Oliphant, I didn't recognize who it was. Like, when he took his mask off, I was like, is that Billy? How did Billy survive that? What the fuck? Because, you know, how he says history repeats itself. And and I'm like, wait a minute, what? Because does that even make any sense that he would say that? Um, No. 
I don't know. I don't think so. Just like it made no sense that it doesn't happen in my movie. It just did, bitch. Right, yeah, right, a lot, right. I don't know. Sometimes things don't make sense. But what about when he even said his motive is because he wants to be famous and he wants to go to court. He's going to blame it on the movies because that's never been done. Uh, dude, you never heard of the Halloween 2 murders? <laughs> you never heard of, I mean there's plenty of of instances where someone blame movies for for things that you know killing and and why would you and what does that even mean like so that means let's just say I want to go kill people and I'll just say oh it's because of psycho what what would that get me I'd you know I think so I'd no, still you'd still go to prison right <laughs> you know like I want to be fucked in the ass for the right reasons <laughs> well, this and that was clearly the theme of this when they had the whole conversation in film class where they were like, you know, oh, you're do you, they were patterning it, patterning it after the movies, and Sarah Michelle Gellar's like, no, you can't blame you can't blame our actions on the movies, and Joshua Jackson is like, oh, please, yes, you can, and then like, they got into that whole argument, which, by the way, I am right there with Sarah Michelle Gellar. I have never believed that you can blame the movies. Because if, you know, even if someone patterns what they do after a film, there's something clearly already wrong with them to begin with. The movie did not create the movie right. did not create their psychosis. Yeah, but you gave him the idea. Like their psychosis. You gave him the idea to you gave him the idea to do it that particular way, right. sure. But they would have done something fucked up anyway. No, because I have done things for because of movies that I would have never done. And for any oh, other reason. Like, Did you watch Beavis and Butthead and jump off the roof too? I threw a bowling ball off a bridge into a car. <laughs> Did you watch the program cool. and lay down in the middle of the street in the middle of Fire. traffic? Fuck. The notebook. How, I, how about this, Jamie? People who watch Jackass and go do shit like that, they would have never really done that. So what do you, you can blame the they movie would, for No, that. they would not have done perhaps those particular things. But there's something wrong with them to begin with that is that – not normal but sometimes people who have things wrong with them don't have much of imagination and they don't know what to do with it so they just think but once you give them like oh wait i could stand on the hood of a car and the guy could hit the brakes and i go flying into bushes okay that that looks fun and we'll videotape it and put it on youtube like then you that, give them is, that is darwin at work Right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what do you do in that instance? Not make things like because you know, like you can't you can't not do things because certain people are going to take it out of context. Like, and and who's who? Who do you blame it on? The person or the fucking movies? I mean, the parents. Clear, clearly, that gave them the motivation. <laughs> that particular one. Yeah. I blame. I blame Alf. I blame but, Billy's mom. Yeah. She, I mean, it was her fault. You know. So Billy's mom's the killer. Uh, Gail gets shot. Uh, supposedly grazed. Uh, she takes a nosedive. Um, she gets shot because Mickey. Uh, how about that? Uh, Debbie Salt turns on her accomplice, Mickey. That was weird. I mean, I mean, I guess yeah. I guess you want to tie up all loose ends. Uh, she don't really care about him. So yeah, she I, met him in a serial killer chat room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Okay. How much credibility do you have? <laughs> And it makes sense, though, because her motive was revenge and he wanted to get caught. And she was like, fuck, no, you're not getting caught. What are you, crazy? Like, that didn't fit into her plan at all. And think about it. Mickey was really dumb about, oh, I'm going to get Johnny Cochran and all this shit. Like, he was – I think he was his own serial killer in his own way. Clearly, he's on fucking serial killer website. So he's got fucking problems. Yeah, who even goes on a website for that? Oh, I just got a new message. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no. So she got. Um, <laughs> no, it's on my serial killer website. Yeah. 
it well the underlining theme in, in in all these fucking screen movies is fame you know what i mean especially by the fourth one and everybody wants fame and and or some people don't sydney and all them but um you know a lot of people do and they 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 starve for it so there was that aspect of it and and that's why you know there's that polar opposites of i want to be famous and she's like no fucking you're not getting famous at all motherfucker like i'm i'm i just used you and i needed your help to kill all these people and now that you've done that fucking boom you're dead but that's not completely unheard of for psychopaths to want to be famous. I mean, look at right. things like Son of Sam. I mean, a lot of them, what they're after is notoriety in some form right. or another. You know, Jack the Ripper, even going back that far, he taunted the police. His really? letters were in the newspaper. Son of Sam, he taunted the police. His letters were in the newspaper. They crave that. That's what they want. They want the attention. They want, and eventually they want to get caught because they want people to know that they're responsible for it. Because right. you can't really take credit for it if no one knows you did it. So right. in the end, a lot of them don't want to get away with it. They want to be able to take credit for what they've done. So really what his his whole motive as far as that goes, I don't think he was interested in it using that defense to get him off as much as being famous, famous. Right. for the act itself. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, though, Jamie. I think he wanted that motive to use that motive not to get himself off, but to use that as like the big fucking case and and because established so big. Yeah, that would just propel the the trial that much more into the public eye. You know, like OJ, because he's like today, basic. What do you say? Face it, today it's all about the trial. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So that was on the heels of the OJ trial. Two years later. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Good yeah. call. So you you guys think it was funny when Sydney was like uh, messing around with all the stage stuff and making all the lights go and this that. I think the funniest fucking part of that was that she goes over and starts wobbling the metal thing to create the lightning sound or th- <laughs> like what the fuck? That was are- silly. That was straight silly. So weird. So yeah. Cotton comes in. He's the ultimate decider. You know, uh, Bill, uh, Billy's mom is about to slit Nev, Cam- Nev Campbell's throat, and he comes up, has the gun. Sydney promises we'll go on Diane Sawyer. He pops uh, Debbie Salt, and that's the end. Um, then, you know, we do the jump scare. The jump scare from Mickey was absolutely ridiculous. At this oh, yeah, that was bad. So stupid. Like, come on. And then, he, then like Dan said in the first show, he she walks over and pops to the mom and says, just in case. Do you think I love the way was... she says it, too. She just pauses. She's like, just in case. Like, and then it. she just tosses the gun. Which yeah, yeah, funny. yeah. Do you think it makes Cotton an asshole that he was using that as a bargaining chip as to whether or not he was going to save her life at that point. Like, you know, I, I have the power to save your life right now, but only if you decide to do this this Diane Sawyer interview with me. Right. Do you think I mean, he was fucking with her, like just trying to buy time? Or? Well, he said he he said he was that he right. was you know that he was kidding and or you know not kidding like you know haha. But I mean that you know, I I don't I mean I don't know. I mean like what if she had said no? Would he didn't just like all right fine and walk <laughs> away? <laughs> right. Would he have done that? Like all right, good luck to you, bitch. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good question. You wonder if they're going for motivations of the characters in that instance, or just the kind of final line before the fucking boom. You know what I mean? I love how at the very end of this movie, like, Wes Cra- Craven sucks his own dick and and he has Cotton say, all I could tell you is, it would make one hell of a movie. Yeah. <laughs> all right, guys. I'm glad you like your movie. <laughs> I'm glad you like your movie. Congratulations. You're the new about fuck a movie. Thing. <laughs> Rating time. Uh, Dan, 
one to five uh, Netflix rating? Uh, let's see. We kind of didn't say anything positive, but but I think overall we do enjoy it, right? Do we enjoy this? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. I mean, it's a good solid sequel. I don't think it surpasses the first one. I, th- I kept they. I think that they kept trying to push it. Uh, throughout the film to push that it was going to eclipse the first one because they were talking, you know, the whole discussion about sequels that eclipsed the original film. So I think that was their goal was to try to make it better than the first one and how Randy's like, oh, you know, the sequels, the the body counts higher and blah, blah, blah. But it never really did it. You know, it it can't. But I still think it was solid. Yeah, so do I. I, I'd give it... Uh, 3.54. I give it a four. I really do like this movie. A lot of it's nostalgia, but I think um, rewatchability is definitely up there too, man. I can pop this sucker in. Not as much as the original, but I, I do. I have seen this movie many a times. And I'll be honest with you, though, every time, like, I'll fast forward through the fucking, um, you know. The stage stuff? The, the, yeah, all that shit, dude. I just, I, I'm not into it. I don't know. I just, uh, I think it's a solid movie without those parts in it. And, and there's nice little subtle winks of of Debbie Salt, you know, talking to Gail in the beginning where you don't know it's her, and you kind of like, oh, that's the reporter. Oh, she's from fucking Roseanne. Cool. And, she's and a good actress too. She is, dude. And I think she played a good killer. I mean, for what it was, you know, I thought it was a great um, way to go about it. You know, I didn't think that's the second time two for two that I didn't guess who the killer was, you know what I mean? And uh, and I thought it was fucking solid, dude. I, I, I really liked it, man. I, I definitely give it a four. Kevin Williamson, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, I can't say the same about the next one, but yeah. Speaking of Kevin Williamson, he actually had a cameo in this as well. Did he? He was in the theater in the beginning, I think, uh, somewhere in there. I don't know if he was a page. Oh, he was the... I, I, thought, I thought I read interviewer or something. Oh, that's he right. Asked. He was the guy who was interviewing Cotton Weary in the beginning okay. of the toward the beginning of the film. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, okay. Uh, so, so technically, what do you think this is? One to ten. I mean, give it an eight. I guess I don't know. Yeah, that's an eight. Wow. Nine. I don't know why. I mean, I see it's hard to. I don't know. Huh. No, me. I guess that's it. So, Jamie, what about Netflix? One to five. Um, I'm going to say three point five on this one. Coming in just under Dan. I really, like I said, I think Ooh. it's solid. I enjoy it, and I think I've watched it numerous times over the years. Um, I've never. Wait, been, what are we talking about again? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I've never been pissed at it, you know. Um, but so I'm going to say three point five for that. Right. Technical. I'm going to say seven. I think there are a lot of things here that just don't quite stick the landing. Um, mm. One being the whole their whole theory with the name thing that they just sort of drop off in the middle. Um, yeah. And uh, just various things like that just that kind of knock it down. So I'm going to say it lands at a seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I give this a, uh, a, th- a three, maybe 3.5 also. I I, uh, I like it. I never mind watching it. Uh, I think it's really solid. I think it's a really strong follow up to. It's almost like uh, reminds me of sort of like Psycho. Like you, it's right. it's how could you even make a sequel? Like it's funny because the movie Scary Movie, the whole thing was no this, no that, no sequel. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, this is supposed to be different. I thought from horror movies, and we're not going to do the typical horror movie thing and make a bunch of sequels off of it. So I thought I thought they were going to be unique with that. So I guess you know money is just way more important than uh, than art. So they just said you know fuck it, and obviously they, it paid off like we mentioned. So. If you're going to make a sequel to something like Scream, which is so 
just big in a lot of ways just so how it changed horror and stuff like that um i think this is not one that people were disappointed with i think they were fine with it uh except for jerry o'connell no just kidding right uh technically um 7.5 yeah yeah that's about right and i think williamson always planned it as a trilogy now how the movies ended up in the end i don't think it was that exact same story but he always did plan it as a three-part well dude i consider one two and four my trilogy let's just put it that way yeah man you and me both bro (laughs) yeah so we'll be right back with uh some suggestions on uh topics boneheads this is wazelle from banana laser hey yo and this is dave z welcome to the bone zone bitch all right, guys, we're back. Uh, like I said on our group, everybody join our Facebook group page. You have to do that. It's uh, I don't know how you find it. Just put the skeleton. Oh, it's like group slash the skeleton crew show, and I think or something. Just find it. It's, it's easy to find that stuff. So just go on our group page. It's crazy active. I mean, uh, almost every show we post, like the numbers are the, the activities is skyrocketing and and the activity overall on every post almost on there goes into like the 60s sort of 60 different it's just crazy lately so go on there if you want the the, the full-time interaction with the show if you don't want to just wait for the next show if you want to be a part of it yeah i'll come in and bitch a little bit and then dip out again that's <laughs> That seems to be what I do lately. I'm just like, rawr, 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 rawr. yeah. Jamie just goes in there to spew her venom, and you know that's like her therapy for the week. <laughs> <laughs> her pent up anger goes on our. People group. go on there and fucking make fun of me and my fucking all the stupid shit I say. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, you're oh, like yeah, you can only buy time. four Saw films on DVD or on Blu-ray. Which one would they be? And I'm like one. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's always about just making statements. <laughs> it's all it's about. Getting you out there. So uh, here's here's some stuff. Um, now, some people have said things that we already talked about. So Randy getting killed. <clears throat> How do black guy gets out of there and doesn't get killed? Okay. Oh, that's a great one, Joel the cameraman. <laughs> yeah. So Ryan Murphy wants to say how the black guy gets out of there and doesn't get killed. Isn't that weird? No black people. This is one of the first movies no black people were killed. That's great. Not true. Except Omar Epps and Jada Pinkett scene. got knocked out in the first five minutes. Okay. Scratch that. <laughs> black people and were then, still... And then Howie gets killed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What the fuck? It's like more than any in fucking any movie. Okay. One black guy is spared. Congratulations. All right. Next, uh, they should have rewritten the script. Uh, see, every time I read something from Tristan, I think it's a joke, and I don't know if I should even... <laughs> Because the, the first one, he wondered if Vern got his pot of pennies yet. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Tristan. <laughs> yeah, stand by me. So uh, oh, Wait, wait, let's go back to Joel the cameraman, because that is a funny fucking story. If you guys have seen the, the behind-the-scenes shit, right? I think it's Scream Inside Story or one of them. No. Where he's just like, you know, Wes, I, I, I don't want to die. He was just like, I just want to leave. He's like, what do you mean you want to leave? He's like, I, I want to leave. He's like, how would you leave? He's like, a cab. He's like, <laughs> and he's just like... All right, and that's what he does in the movie. He just leaves in a cab. <laughs> I think that's I think great. I love it. That is that is great. He was like, "No, I don't want to die. I just want to leave." <laughs> that's funny, dude. I think that's spot on. But he got it. He got his wish. I just want to address that. Yeah, sorry. So yeah. 
So um, they should Tristan. They should have rewritten the script and made Randy a killer in one. It would have made a better sequel, in my opinion. He's an awesome character, an excellent sc- screen presence. The killers sucked worse than the Ghost Riders. Ghost Rider sequel. So the killers. Uh, <laughs> I disagree. I think. Um, I mean, look, Mickey is take it or leave it. Let's face it. But I think the mom. That's sort of a good idea, I guess. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's believable. You know, she's right. she's after the people. What is not believable is the amount of trouble that she would go through to to do all the recreation and everything. I think if it was just a revenge killing, she would just show up and slit her throat, you right. know, or something like that. But I think that her motivation is believable. Right. Uh, Mickey uh, John Lahurix said Mickey's. Motivation being very current at the time still is Kevin Williamson's script having many layers, especially the Mickey character. Well, we were talking about the whole fucking motive thing propelling them to fame. Yeah, with the OJ trial and it being all about the trial. I mean, that was very timely. That's true. It was, yeah. Jerry Vitetta, I agree. The killers got pretty lame after part two. Billy's mom, uh, I get the rest, but meh. I think you could look at the Ryan, the social commentary of these films. I guess it says a lot about people that we are less sensitive, uh, even to real life horror. Like this is supposed to be true life stories, and we're running around imitating the killer, like we already talked about in the theater. So, right, right. Yeah. Um, Jared says that you know we already seen Dewey survive a near death experience. Why are we rehashing the same shit? We, why do we need to see that again? Uh, even from the first one, now to this one. Yeah, it's the same thing over and over. It's true. Uh, I think that. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, there's nothing to say. I guess we just agree, right? I got, I got nothing for that except I guess that they uh, they thought it would be perhaps a a nice twist at the end because everyone th- assumed that he was dead. Right. This right. time, because I mean, of like, Randy. And so the, him coming back at the end was like a, you know, an, oh, my God. And, like, and everybody loves Dewey, so he made it kind of thing. Um, I guess that's why, although, you know, I don't know. I, I think he has just become the guy that you cannot kill. Is, <laughs> well, is, he's like the what? evil dead guy in the remake. <laughs> and I think, and I think yeah. Scream goes against the rules in that sense because they kept those three characters alive throughout all four of them so far. Now, unless they do more and they decide to kill them, not a, dude, can you think of any other horror movies that keep the same characters in fucking all the sequels? I mean, no. So they're breaking the rules in a sense, but I know what you're saying. It's almost just like, oh, kill this fucking gimp already. I mean, really. But... <laughs> I mean, I like Dewey, man. I, it, it, like I said, I think his, his comedy in three is so fucking over the top, along with everybody else's. But uh, I really like him in four too. I'm glad that he survived the series to go back for four, man. It was I, I, I liked it, you know. I thought it was a good, but yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I think if I did, did, because we thought that Dewey was dead because Randy just died previously i don't know how many minutes before that's why it was like oh good he's alive dude because we really it made you believe that he was fucking dead now granted we were it was that same exact thing in one where he fucking falls down and he's got the knife in him or whatever but um i think with two it was like okay this motherfucker's definitively dead he's got blood fucking spewing out of his mouth and it's like yeah that dude's toast like he's fucking cooked the old rule used to be if blood comes out of your mouth, you're dead. Yep. I thought so, right? 
There's also a rule about faking your death in three and making the whole audience believe that you're dead. So dumb, dude. Get the. F- I can't wait to fucking get to three, dude. I'm gonna rip the shit out of that movie. And Tony Theroux says that uh, that sh- the line "Showgirls" as his favorite horror movie was so scripted, nobody would have came up with that that quick. Uh. I don't know. I mean, what did we say earlier was a horror? Fi- oh, Batman and Robin. Dan Dan <laughs> nailed as a horror film for for Drew Barrymore. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess you could um, if you're as witty as we are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, I did actually have a listener point out something from the last show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry, uh, Jerry Mosley said that uh, when you were talking about uh, repeatedly about why you know why would Stu kill his girlfriend, why would Stu kill his girlfriend, why would mm-hmm. Stu kill his girlfriend? Yeah, I said about three or four times. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, "Well, wasn't he hugging up against some chick while they were watching Halloween at the party?" He was. And yeah, he was. That's true. He was. So I'm guessing he didn't really care about that girlfriend very much anyway. And who was and- it that said there's always some bullshit reason to kill your girlfriend? Was that Randy? Yeah. Or, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and furthermore, I want to say that it definitely was Stu because he went back into the party. It definitely wasn't Billy, which it very well could have been. We're going back to one, of course. But, yeah, he definitely killed his girlfriend. Yeah. So um, – but then he was hugging up against that other chick, so he obviously didn't miss her very much. No. Not at all. All right, guys. Well, that's about it. So we're wrapping this up. Um, we're – you know – our our show we try to do things uh a little different we always try to bring something fresh we always try to evolve and just um we're gonna have instead of just doing the part three review we're gonna do a commentary for that movie instead so you get to watch along uh with us it's you know all of our commentaries come with a video they're not just the audio so you get to watch and uh hang with us uh, if you haven't seen it yet, check out our, our last commentary, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. That was really fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. And I'm going to have to fucking get wasted for Scream 3. It's that bad. So I'm just pre-warning you. Yep. And just a little uh, tidbit. Uh, there's a new commentary coming out, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Uh, I was uh, invited on from the guys from Banana Laser. So it's uh, Matt, Wazell, Dave Z, and myself. We did House of a Thousand Corpses. That should be out. In about a week or so. So look for Nice, that. Dr. Satan. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Into that one a little bit more, too. Yeah, and, and for Scream 3, we will be doing the commentary. So everybody, you know, definitely uh, that'll be fun. But, you know, we wanted to do the commentary specifically because I don't want to talk about all the absurdity, all the absurd fucking things in this movie i'd rather just go along and just you know fucking just hit everything and well, the t- other reason dan there's a reason was our show specifically we don't want to do uh another review of scream 3 because we already did exactly. one exactly for uh jump, the, jump shark. the shark exactly and it's i just think it's going to be a much more elaborate version of that it's going to be us tell, telling everybody showing them examples of why this movie jumped the shark and i know a lot of people don't like this movie because x y and z but i don't like this movie for many reasons and uh that's why it'll be fun man i think it'll be fun to do a commentary for and uh we're having a uh, guest for four so that'll be fun and uh yeah we'll fucking- yeah we're Duncan McLeish is coming on for our Duncan. Scream 4 review. Check out his show, Podcast Under the Stairs. Yep, Podcast Under the Stairs. 
uh, 90s movie he based that from. Oh, you could, if you want to hear our Scream 3 review as a little teaser to our commentary, go to Skeleton Crew, go to Horrorphilia.com, go to the Skeleton Crew, and it's number 18 when a horror franchise jumped the shark part one. I believe it was the last uh, franchise we talked about on that episode. Uh Back in those days, I didn't timestamp things, really. So he's got to kind of... A lot of things were different back in those days. <laughs> back in those <laughs> days. Oh, and also we got um, in the next uh, Scream 3 commentary, um, I got a couple questions lined up for uh, for people. So it's going to be kind of a time thing. Who listens to the show first type of thing. So uh, you can win some Skeleton Crew stickers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the t-shirts, those things will sell like hotcakes. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna be rich. <laughs> and Jamie, Jamie, one quick, just a part, uh, part this uh, in parting. I just want to ask you, your mom and all your friends and all that—they were so into Scream. Your mom watched it every day and shit like that. So, what did she think about Scream Two? Hey, you know, it. I don't know if she ever saw it. We really? never talked. We never talked about it. <laughs> oh my god! Did I honestly you get it for don't her for know. Christmas? No, no, and I honestly. That has never come up. So I don't know if she ever saw it. She wasn't one at that point in her life. She had pretty much stopped going to the theater. She got, she used to go all the time. Jamie was a year later. But, um, well, she didn't see the scream. She didn't (laughs) see the first scream in the theater. She saw it for the first time at. Well, I didn't say theater. Did she, did she watch? She didn't watch it? I don't know if she did or not. She may have, but we, it, it never came up. Did she see scream four? I doubt (laughs) it. If she did did see see scream two, she probably liked it. Right. I would assume so. Hey, not as good as the first, but definitely a solid sequel. So, there you go. Definitely a worthy follow-up. I don't think it's any different than Psycho 2 or Jaws 2 compared to their predecessors. And the series is about to take a hard left turn. 